What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 43, 44, excuse me, geez, of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Roscoe, and we have a good show upcoming for you guys tonight. Is not only do we cover the late pick five at Keeneland on Friday, we also are going to be lo- looking ahead to four Breeders' Cup races. That is the Breeders' Cup turf spin. Basically, we're looking ahead at the whole turf division or the whole sprint division, that being the turf sprint the Breeders' Cup Sprint, the Philly and Mare Sprint, and then also we're going to look ahead to the Juvenile. A little sneak peek for you guys on the Breeders' Cup Power Picks that I will talk about here in a few minutes. Um, if they, those will be the races that we are covering uh, for you guys. So keep, an, keep a lookout for that. But um, real quick, guys, we're just going to get right into it here. Um, if, if you're brand new here, you find yourself coming back on the regular and you aren't subscribed, please go down below the video player and hit subscribe. We are ever growing. And of course that is the best way to support the channel. So please go subscribe, hit the like button on this video and then ring the bell. So you will not miss a single podcast that comes up on the HHH racing podcast channel. Cause not to mention we're approaching breeders cup breeders cup season very, very fast. And we are going to have it covered like an absolute glove here on the podcast. And we are going to have, um, we are going to have not only, like at least six shows covering the two-day pick six each day, look-aheads, pre-entries, post-draws, anything that you need to be successful this Breeders' Cup, you will find here on the HHH Racing Podcast channel. So be on the lookout for that. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, as always, is where you find every single audio episode of that comes up on the HHH Racing Podcast channel, not only of Ben and Boozen, but of the flagship show, and every other show that's posted as well. So be on the lookout for that. The normal power picks, guys, they're in a very affordable $15.99 a month, only comes out to $4 a weekend, and you get two tracks every Saturday, including ABC grids for pick fives and pick fours, spot plays, price plays, anything that, again, you need to be successful during your weekend of horse racing. We got you covered. Patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast to get into that so not only that guys but i want to bring up real quick here that we have um that this will actually probably be the first time we're announcing it on this youtube channel but we are covering um we not only have keeneland power picks available at ajhracingpodcast.com now we have breeders cup power picks coming up so i'm going to bring it up on the screen right now guys and you'll see it here i'm going to bring it full screen the Breeders' Cup Power Picks tip sheet, only $20, and you'll get you'll get both days, both Friday and Saturday, full card analysis, not only just Breeders' Cup races, every single race. Again, only for $20 for the entire weekend. Most outlets are charging upwards of $50 to $100, guys. This is not a deal that you'll get anywhere else and not a deal that you will get um, as, as, as good information here as you will anywhere else. So please... Subscribe to the Breeders' Cup Power Picks. Again, that's hhhracingpodcast.com. And up at the top here, you see Power Picks tip sheet. Click on it, and that is the first thing that pops up, guys. And again, this is what you'll need to be successful all Breeders' Cup long. You will only need the HHH Racing Power Picks tip sheet. So, guys, please go subscribe over there. And thank you to all those that have already subscribed through when we posted it on Twitter, but we're not going to waste your guys' time anymore. We're going to bring in right here, bring it in right here. And we're going to go through Keeneland a little bit quicker today. Um, just being as we have so much to cover, but 
I'm going to bring in my co-host right now from the East Coast of New Jersey, Patrick Kunsel from Ohio State University, Charlie Freeman, and from uh, University of Kentucky. Apparently, they're throwing a rager outside his apartment right now. Noah Maher, boys, what's going on? What is it, full break? <laughs> no, I, I don't know what's going on. I had to change locations on you guys, but but it'll be all right. All right. I will apologize in advance also. Right before I got called on, there were about three or four instances in a row of the loud motorcycle just blowing by the streets of Columbus. So if it happens, it happens, but we roll with it. Well, that's yeah, that's classic Ohio State for you. you know, <laughs> they must be knowing what's coming on Saturday. So it's like That's you know. right. Absolutely. Yeah, they know we're rolling over Penn State. So uh, yeah, 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 ahead of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see when we get there. But guys, real quick, Paul Halloran working on the Power Picks tip sheet for Keeneland on Friday. If you haven't subscribed to that as well, same thing, HHH Racing Power uh HHH Racing Podcast.com. And you scroll just below that Breeders' Cup. Uh, posting that we have, and you'll find the Keeneland Power Picks tip sheet for this weekend and still for next weekend, $15 for the individual weekend. Please go subscribe to that as well. So hopefully, Paul, will give you some good information for that Friday. But, boys, like I said, we're not going to waste too much time here. We're going to get right into it. Paul Halloran's here. Richard Alvalar is here. Weekend was absolutely was great. Thanks so much, Richard, for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. They did. Michigan still has not allowed another team in the red zone. So I'm chilling and – the Bears suck as usual. So I'm just, you know, I went to the Bears game this past Sunday for those of you that don't know. And so um, I also, Charlie also did for that. And I don't know about you, Charlie, but pardon my French, the amount of times that I said, why don't we run the fucking ball came out of my mouth at least five times. But that's just, I'll leave. Oh, it. no, the, the, the three screen plays and then deciding to run the football on third and seven and throw the football when we finally got the run game going on third and one is just peak. Peak, 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 Luke. Run football. the f- ball. I, I, I'm telling you, that's exactly um, what I'm talking about. But <sighs> Sean, Kane, it's awful. Sean Kane is oh. also here. Sean, thanks so much for the show, man. Paul, this is not Walmart, but it should basically the equivalent of it. But mm-hmm. we got better quality stuff than Walmart. Thanks, Paul. But, yeah, only $20 for the Breeders' Cup tip sheet. Terry Frank is here. All in for the, the Breeders' Cup power picks. Keeneland Power Picks are fire. Absolutely. I love the fire. Terry, thanks so much, Dan, for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Paul says, get ready for a lion invasion, Charlie. I'll see you there after Ohio State drops out of the Breeders' uh, the Breeders Cup playoff as well. Wow. Yeah, the college football the playoff. I actually have a couple friends that, are, that go to Penn State that are going to the game. Oh. Really? I would be surprised if there's a lot of Penn State fans there. I would. White out in? Normally there's like three or four in in the student section, and most of them, you know, by the third quarter already kind of know it's over. So, I mean, we'll see. Maybe (laughs) they'll Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm hopeful for them. I I mean, I want a good game. Otherwise, I'll feel regretful that I'm not selling my student tickets that are going for 300 apiece right now. I I can't sell them. Money. Charlie, if we find out that you sold those tickets, oh, of you'll course get not. No, I'll be there. Of course not. I'll be, I, <laughs> dude, I dollars are going to an Ohio State game? I mean, dude, give me three hundred bucks. <laughs> uh anyway, Colin Quinn, you're heading to the Breeders' Cup if Shard gets in. Absolutely. Well, I'm heading the Breeders' Cup regardless, Colin, actually. But if Shard gets in, you bet my you bet your ass I will be sitting in that paddock when that comes. But yeah, um actually three of the four of us on this screen are heading to the Breeders' Cup. Anyway, Patrick and Noah are also coming with me. And Charlie, of course, is sitting back at the the alma mater uninvited. I wish I could go. No, he's not uninvited. He's just giving and just doesn't. You know, we're on that college budget, guys. You can only do something cool once in a while. But, boys, we're going to get right into it here. Like I said, the pick five on Friday starts in race number six. It is a starter allowance, $10,000. 
going a mile and an eighth on the dirt, draws a field of nine at Keeneland on Friday with the morning line favorite being the number seven Bear Oak for Ricardo Santana Jr. and Norm Cassie. And as I switch over to the picks right now, guys, um, let's see, race number six, you'll see three of us are actually going with the number three, Tiger Moon, the second choice for Leperu and Lindsay Schultz. Um, and Charlie, oh no, sorry, Patrick, excuse me, is going with the number seven Bear Oak. So Patrick, you get to tell us why the Chalk Eaters will win here and going with the number seven Bear Oak. Yeah, I like this horse, um, two back at uh, Saratoga. Um, actually on the dirt on the 2nd of August going uh, a mile and a fourth. And then uh, th- they put the horse on the turf, which, you know, I really wasn't sure why I was a fan of this horse on the dirt, um, you know, came from off the pace three back against uh, Portos, who's obviously a good horse uh, for Linda Rice. Um, and then, got, like I said, got on the turf and was 17 to one that day and won by a neck. So this horse is versatile. Um can be um it's gonna come from off the pace um you know was this horse given some easy fractions to close into sure um but i just think this spot this horse uh fits this is a lower level race than this horse really has ever run lately um and you know i know i'm not getting great odds but i I think this horse is a worthy favorite well you always guess you know why are they putting him on the turf well that 91 shows you exactly why yeah um and obviously uh charlie noah no i'll go to you and then i'll let you talk about the number three but you have i mean we all have this horse in the mix as well this horse i think has to be included but i mean we're i don't know if it's just price shopping for you but could definitely get better prices elsewhere yeah i i kind of thought the whole card was was this way pretty formful um just with bear oak uh those those two turf uh, races are the best numbers that he's ever put up, um, but he's definitely a contender. It's not like he hasn't put up you know mid eighties in the past. Correct. Um, I went with the three Tiger Moon. Uh, I just think he's really going to get a nice setup in this race. Uh, you're always skeptical betting Leperu, who's over for the meet. Um, but Lindsay, Lindsay Schultz, in my opinion, is a really underrated trader, um, and I just think he's going to re- get a really nice setup with a with a race that I don't see a ton of speed in. I think he can just kind of sit off and then close in the final stages. Yeah, I agree with you on Lindsay Schultz. Charlie, obviously, you have this horse on top as well, and then you have a horse nowhere, the number four Nepal up, who's actually the third choice and second. But um, I thought Tiger Moon really fit in this spot. I mean, the the most consistent horse by far in terms of buyer speed figures and just tactically looks makes sense as well. Yeah, that was my angle. I mean, look, I understand that it looks like he's kind of flattened out in that, you know, 84, 85, 86 range. But for me, I'll take that any day of the week. You know, Noah touched on what my main concern was with uh, Fair Oak, where obviously not the figures, not the figures are weak on the dirt, but obviously those 91 and 88, we were like, wow, well, nobody in the field can compete with those figures. Uh, But again, those were on the turf. So for me, I'll take the horse that has consistently been putting up Bear Oak's best figure at a bit, a little bit better of a price. And also kind of as I know it touched on again, which I also like is just getting the better trip. Honestly, for me, um, as I, I'll touch on in a moment, I also think the four is interesting. But for me, I think the four and the seven don't quite have the tactical speed of Tiger Moon or as many options. They're both very much so horses that are going to have to sit at the back and don't really have enough early speed to sit close like they basically just have to be closers whereas tiger moon i think has the option to be more of a closer or a stalker depending on how fast the pace is and i think tiger moon is going to have a few lengths advantage when uh when the three horses get the jump at the end on the 
you know, longer shot speed horses at the front. So I just think this race sets up very nicely for Tiger Moon. I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if Tiger Moon ends up going off as the favorite, maybe five to two sharing with Bear Oak somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm hoping I get a little bit better of a price. I hope Bear Oak sticks about that two to one, seeing those figures on the turf. But definitely Tiger Moon could drift down based on these mid-80s. Obviously, Nepal up is who you had in third or in second, excuse me. This last race definitely fits at Churchill, although it did lose to the number three Tiger Moon, um, who actually just passed Nepal up. So in that type of regard, I would much rather have a horse like Tiger Moon who got got eventually the jump. Or actually, no, excuse me. The number four was the one closing, but still the little bit cutback, a little bit extra in distance, I think could help Tiger Moon. Leperu kind of pushed the button a little early if you watch that replay, but obviously still finished. And a good friend of the podcast, Marshall Graham and 10 Strike Racing with Tiger Moon. Good luck to them. Noah Patrick and I actually landed with the number one Nordic Nordic Light for Brad Cox, obvious connections, but um, I think this horse really fits. Obviously it has to um, increase in the buyer speed figure department, but Noah, I'll go to you. What, what uh, interest, interested you about Nordic Light? The thing that stuck out to me was the horse was kind of performing on, you know, an average level uh, until the horse went into the Cox barn, which seems like a lot of horses do when Cox claims them. Uh, but they step up in, in speed figures, you know, the 71, 78, 74. Um, if this horse continues to step up, um, he could have a real life shot. I just think he's he's going to sit a pretty good trip. Uh close to the three tiger moon um and being down on the rail i think he's just going to save ground and ultimately help out i think he might even be in front of tiger moon i think the last that race at delaware is where i'm really looking tactically for tiger moon and obviously in his previous races he's been up close to the pace as well i think i think nordic light even has a little bit more speed um i'm i think um tiger moon could even just sit outside of Nordic Light, and hopefully, if Nordic Light saves enough ground and just gets caught in behind the leaders, I'm hoping Tiger Moon gets a little bit more of a tactical advantage in that regard. But um, I thought eight to one was definitely interesting for a Cox runner who has only improved since coming over to his barn. Like you said, Noah, I'm actually really interested in Nordic Light as well. I'm going three seven one. Patrick's going seven three one. Charlie's going three four seven, and Noah's also going with me three seven. One guys moving over to race number seven here on the card. It's five and a half furlongs on the turf. It's an $120,000 allowance race. These races, as we all know, draw massive fields every single time. Uh, a full field of 12 with one also eligible and one MTO. The also eligible is American Starlet for Johnny Velasquez and Wesley Ward. Always one to keep your eyes on, but. Johnny Velasquez jumps on the number 10, the favorite. Shoot out the lights for Wesley Ward at 9 to 5. Second choice will be the number two, redefined coming out of uh, New York Stakes at 7 to 2 for Michelle Lovell. And then third choice is the number three, Soul Hope for Lannery and Leitner, which congrats to Lannery. For those of you that don't know, Lannery did get his 5,000th career win today in the third race at Keeneland. So, and he, I mean, if there's one guy that deserves it, the class act, of course, Corey Lannery. So congrats to him as well. I'm going to switch over the picks right now, guys. And you'll see three of us are going with the number 10, shoot out the lights. But Noah is actually going with the second choice, the number two, redefined. So Noah, it's your turn, my man. Why do, Why are we wrong? And why is redefined going to win? 
Well, like I said earlier, I, I think the sequence that we're covering today is pretty formful. Um, and it really wouldn't surprise me if if a uh, shootout the lights for Ward was even money or lower in this race. Um, but I just went with redefined um, in the Galway. I think she had a lot of excuses. You know, she steadied after the start. Um, she was she gave up, you know, six, seven, eight lengths on the field in the first, you know, 10, 12 jumps. Um, and then after that, she kind of made a middle loop, middle move and was four wide. Um, yeah, she's a six in this race. Um, but yeah, she kind of gets, you know, stuck she's back there and squeezed. Yeah, she's given up, you know, six lengths at least at that point. Um, and from her past performances, you know, uh, her earlier races, I think she likes to be, you know, two, two and a half lengths off. Um, but she made a middle move about four or five wide. Um, and then just kind of flattened out, uh, given the effort. Um, but I think, you know, Michelle Lovell, an aggressive spot to bring uh, to Keeneland. I don't typically see her move uh, horses here. Uh, and I really like the work tab, you know, August 5th, running 47 and four, October, uh, sorry, September 23rd, running 47 and four. And then that last work going a minute and three. Um, so just trying to beat the favorite in this spot. Which, I mean, Redefine is definitely your one. and People might look at this running line off the switch from Dutch Row. And you might get, you probably will get that 7-2 to two most likely with Leperu jumping aboard. Um, Redefine could definitely be the one to beat the number 10 with. But Patrick, I'm going to, or Charlie, I'm going to go to you first here. Number 10, shoot out the lights for your man, Wesley Ward. Johnny V, this horse will definitely take a lot of money and is very fast. Yeah, I mean, the horse is absolutely flying. And, uh, you know, I know the horse uh, previously has been having IRAD. But, um, look, I mean, Johnny V is one of the best in the business. Him and Wesley have still had plenty of connections. There's been plenty of races I've seen recently where the two of them link up and win. And to me, I just think didn't want to overthink the race, didn't want to get too creative. Now, granted, I know I kind of went chalky underneath because I didn't really see too many other realistic contenders. But I do believe for shootout the lights, uh, it's, her, it's her race to lose. Um, again, you mentioned a very fast horse, but also, which for me is a nice sign since Wesley does tend to have a lot of speed horses that prefer these short distances, hasn't really shown any sort of major history of fading by any means, uh, which again, for me is a, is obviously a big deal. I mean, obviously second start, I guess was the one example where it didn't look too great, but also was kind of not on the lead. Uh, that is the one thing I would say to look out for, obviously, is this horse definitely looks like one that needs the lead because the one time. Uh, she didn't. It went horribly wrong. But uh, I think she has enough speed and can get over from the outside to take this field wire to wire. There's a lot of fast horses in this race, um, Patrick. I'm sure you saw. But Shootout the Lights just looks much faster than a lot of these horses. And to, to answer your thing, Charlie, uh, I read was riding in New York um, this week. So he will not be gotcha. at Keeneland, which is why she, uh, he is not on Shootout the Lights, I'm sure. But, I mean. Look, Johnny V is not a replacement by any means. He's very well and uh, good in his own right. But, Patrick, to the point of shoot out the lights, I just think he's, like I said, he's just a lot faster than everyone else and could easily clear. Yeah, you guys pretty much hit everything on shoot out the lights. Um, you know, the only thing I would say is just, especially during the Saratoga meet, these turf sprints, you try to get cute with um, who um, – has the pace edge and if you know if you can beat a horse coming from off the pace you know I, i've started to learn a little bit that you know in these spots just go especially in the turf sprints just if you have a speed of the speed horse stick with them because more times than not this horse will take them the distance which and speaking of that you have the number nine for dawn 
in second. And Noah actually has this horse in third, 15 to one morning line. I love this pick, Patrick. I was going to say, and I know Noah has, I know Noah really likes this pick by you as well. Yeah. You know, listen, I, I look at, you look at the form uh, for this horse and, you know, it's flipped from uh, uh, turf to dirt, you know, three back was on the turf, didn't run so well, um, did have excuses in that race. Um, and then actually was on a, on dirt because it got taken off the turf and won the race. Um, and then just throws in another dud. So I'm going to give this horse another chance at a spot where um, at 15 to one, I think it's ridiculous because if you look at the buyers too, this horse fits right in there if it runs its race. So, um, you know, probably going to be right on the lead on or near the lead for, from uh, shoot out the light. So um, yeah, I like this horse underneath, maybe play some exactus. Well, Noah, I mean, I'll give the floor to you after that. And then, um, well, I'll I'll talk about a horse that I like, but you have the same type of uh, pick with the number nine here. Yeah, I like Patrick. I was interested. Um, it was interesting to see once Paulo Lobo took over, he immediately put this horse on the turf. Um, didn't really end up going well. Ran into LJ's Emma, who came back and won the stake that we saw earlier. Uh, and then Hideki is a really nice horse, too. Um, granted, the horse had a, had a pretty tough trip um, steadying. Uh, and then tried to get the horse back on the turf again, but got taken off. Um, with the 89, I feel like we were able to see the ability that this horse has, and I think Lobo saw that as well. Um, I just feel like Lobo could have thrown this horse and, you know, like a $40,000, $50,000 claimer, um, you know, in some of those earlier races on the Keeneland card. But instead, he decides to go uh, to an aggressive spot, uh, and I feel like he's pretty ambitious with this move to go into a tough turf field with the horse that's going to be probably 15 to one, at least in this spot. Yeah. I mean, especially the form, you know, this 89 kind of pops out of nowhere, but if, if this horse really is meant to the turf, like Lobo thought when he originally took over, I would like 15 to one, you know, me, I'm never talking off a double digit horse. So, um, and I know obviously you have a very strong opinion on that horse. Noah, I went with the number seven, Laura's charm in second. And this was that thing where, Loris Charm has the ability to be wherever, at least. Lacey, Pierre is, Lacey Pierce is over, but gets Gaffleone as uh, this horse, as Loris Charm had last time at Churchill. I just think this, this, could, this horse could set a very nice stalking trip. This horse has always been in Kentucky and um, has worked pretty forwardly on the church or pretty ma- you know, maintenance, maintenance work over the Churchill Downs training track. And I just think Laurel's Charm, if she runs that 82 again, or 80 back when she ran at Ellis, I think she could easily run for a minor placing and does not need to be towards the front by any means. So I like the number seven, Laura's Charm, underneath. But I like to, like I said, I'm 10-7-2, Patrick's 10-9-2, Charlie's 10-2-3, and Noah is 10-2-9. Guys, going to move over to race number eight here and shout out to matt miller in the chat he does agree with a bunch of us the number 10 has a pretty clear pace edge thanks so much man for joining the show i greatly appreciate it uh race number eight here is another allowance going a mile and an eighth on the dirt draws a full field of 10 and the heavy morning line favorite in this spot is the number eight raging c for pratt and brown at Boo. six to five <laughs> jesus <laughs> christ the number three poblano for Gaffleone and walsh at seven to two. Third choice is the number 10 on the outside louisiana bread sabra tough for ray lou and dallas stewart gonna switch over the picks right now guys and three of us are going against raging c wow but charlie Boo. 
going. Wow, with I raging sea. I thought it was gonna be the only one, and I was but, gonna be so excited. Oh, absolutely this, not. This no money way, stealing horse. Not money <laughs> stealing horse. You want to talk about money stealing race? I'll let Charlie uh, talk, but uh, Noah brought it up to me, and obviously it's a big stat that we need to go over. But Charlie, what do you like most about raging sea? I'm just sold on raging sea. I mean, we'll get into the best bets later, but I think sold. This is a- I think I I know I know the efforts Sold. aren't un- okay. I know Whoa. the efforts aren't unbelievable, but look, you're picking up Pratt again with Chad Brown. I know they've been having them together, and the horse has been a money burner. But there's just no horse in this field that really does anything else for me. I mean, when we get to the best bets later, I'll highlight this more. But really, I mean, the horse is working forwardly. I love the fact that the horse has shown being tactical. You know, you see her earlier in the career sat way back and was able to close up. Just couldn't quite get there. Then sat. I think honestly with Raging C Pratt has any option he wants uh, with being the class of this field. It can really go for any trip. You know, if it kind of sets up nicely for Raging C to just go up there, I think Raging C, I think she can handle it. If it ends up being a fast pace, I think Raging C will have no problem sitting a little bit back. I understand the horse hasn't quite gotten the job done, but it's not like every effort has been a dud. The horse is still in and around the money. I know for how little value there's been, you need to see better than that. But I feel like, again, we talk about this on the show all the time. And I will point out a lot of the time, when it's one of those horses where you either have to say I've given up completely on them or this is their do or die. Whenever I go with the horse on the do or die, I think almost every single time I've done that, the horses ended up winning. So I'm just saying picking against me here might not be the bright move, but I feel like Raging C has to win here. Um, I think this so, is one of those races where you look for more of a nice price to put underneath and Raging C bids the crowd to do and win. So here's my point. Noah, how many races have the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies been over? Yeah. How many? 2022 Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies horses are 0 for 43 since that race. That's, inc- that's so, incredible. Charlie, good luck with your best bet at 45. <laughs> hey, four, 44, might, 44 might be the right number. 40, you know, there's that old commercial, charm. There's that no, old commercial where the person's like, number 44, and they're all excited about number 44. So maybe that was just meant to be the number. If, if uh, we played the what-if game in this spot and Raging C did not win, um, you know, on debut at Saratoga, Last summer, you know, if this horse came in, let's just say second, where would this horse be right now? I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I hate to bring it, but like, you know, the horse runs at Keeneland in October to, you know, obviously go to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, you know, actually runs respectable. You get third in that race. That's very good. So I'm not, you know, I shouldn't knock, but it just, you know, this horse at Saratoga, uh, you know, end of the meet that you felt like that was the spot where if it, oh, if the not end, then. Week. It's like yeah, you need to not then, and what is that it was a be? violation. I, just, <laughs> so I, I, I mean, know. I'll just go like Wonder Wheel retired already, <laughs> might I add. Um, <laughs> after after we the Phillies ran so uh, second in the Sun Coast, which one of us talked about, we loved it. We actually really loved Wonder Wheel, and she looked absolutely <laughs> loaded behind and I just could that. not yeah. win. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who else liked her. But I was I couldn't believe she lost that race. And then Ashland, horrible. Oaks, horrible. Celine, horrible. De- retired. Leave no trace. After the juvenile Phillies, zero, zero. Turf. A double zero is pretty impressive. To be fair. I didn't know you could do that twice. About as impressive as getting a double zero in bowling, realistically speaking. <laughs> Raging C we looked at. Cyber Tough is also in this race. Has not been above. Has not been above fourth. In her past, uh, and since the juvenile Phillies, and that wasn't a fifty thousand optional claimer at Saratoga. Chocolate uh, gelato, where uh, she ran a big race, right? Chocolate gelato, or yes, she, I should say. yeah. No, you're at she. 
She ran. The, she won. She won the Frisette, but then it was bad. Was With fourth Alabama, in Jersey Girl, right. and then the Alabama was. Oh, oh god! So Ooh, um, I don't have to. Go, I'm not going to go through the rest of the field. You get the point by this <laughs> yeah, point. No, I mean, yes, look, yes, it's, it's really could cool. Raging C win? Oh yeah, absolutely. She could win. Am I going to play a horse that's coming out of a race where not a single horse has won since last November? No, I'm not going to play that. So, Patrick, I'm going to go to you. We like the number three, Poblano, for Brennan Walsh and Gaff Leone. Granted, first time facing winners last time was put into a listed stake, but I mean, that shows, in, to me, it shows intent by Walsh. And that, I mean, that maiden, I can't show it obviously because of Churchill and DRF, but that maiden win was really impressive. Maiden win was really impressive. Um, the, Stake race, like you talked about, um, I think she has an excuse in, you know, you talked about the connections, um, depending on, you know, what the chatters about raging sea, this horse might get bet down too. Um, yep. so yeah, I, I'm going alternate route in this spot. Um, and I, you know, I like, I like Pablano in this spot. So we'll, um, I wonder what type of trip this horse is going to sit, um, you know, going the furthest distance she's ever gone. So, but you know, I, I definitely will do the right thing. And I think this horse has a big shot. I don't necessarily think she needs to lead. She hasn't really passed horses, but I mean, AP Indy Curlin Curlin by AP Indy mayor. I don't think we'll have any problem distance wise at all. Yeah. I mean, that's like I said, that main win, she did clear very easily, but I still think that she doesn't need to lead this ma- this maiden run at Churchill against Vava, um, who, losing to Vava is no shortage um in her own right just won the Charlestown Oaks um and obviously you could see everybody else behind her that won next time out Lady Irene Bruna Boyne and Dear Lady and then we go to her next race where or her last race which she loses to Jagira granted by 19 and a quarter but taxed she's looking lucky Jagira I mean, just very – we talk about the company lines all day long, but if she gets back to that 85 against a little bit easier company, I think Poblano is definitely live in this spot personally. But, no, I'll go to you. Talk on anything we didn't talk about, Poblano, as you also have her on top. But then you have the number four, Let's Do Wet, also in third that none of us have anywhere. Yeah, to, to quickly touch on Poblano, there were three quick things – that I liked uh, that stood out to me. Number one, the fact that the horse debuted at Keeneland and was stuck on the rail. Um, number two, uh, the switch to, to Gaffleone is absolutely huge. Uh, this combo has been so deadly uh, throughout the fall meet. Uh, and then the third was, according to the work tab, I think Walsh was pointing to this spot all along. Um, so that's why I like Poblano. And then uh, let's do it. It was just kind of a board horse for me. Um, you know, I've just been kind of stuck in these allowance races running, you know, close seconds, um, distant thirds, just a horse that I think is going to be really far back, which is going to be coming late. Maybe he can get up for third. Especially if there's a uh, pace in front. We've always, we've seen that many times before last one. We'll talk about, we'll talk about really quick and move on. Um, Charlie, I'll go back to you here. Shirley, Shirley, which banger name but brad cox florence rue come one of his indiana horses which we all know brad cox likes to send horses to indiana but not necessarily his top flight but this is another one that will be a little bit farther back and could pick up the pieces 
I mean, yeah, and that was my angle. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a cheap horse. Picks up, in my opinion, a major jockey upgrade, getting Plot Giroux. And honestly, that was the angle I was looking for. Is I saw a lot of horses in this field that want to go towards the front, a lot of real contenders that are going to be fast. Um, obviously, I mean, the eight will probably can sit any trip, but it'll probably be somewhat towards the front. The seven's going to have to go. The nine's going to have to go. I know for the three, you guys kind of made it clear, which I agree with. You don't know exactly what will happen, but certainly it'll be somewhat forwardly placed. Um, so I was just looking for a horse that could take advantage of a lot of horses that'll be either speed or pressing. And I think Shirley, Shirley certainly could take advantage of it. And the other thing I really liked was obviously we've seen the late kick is there. It's the lack of early pace. And I'm kind of hoping with the two back-to-back -back bullet works of 59 flat and then a minute flat, maybe points of this horse is now getting ramped up a little bit more. Certainly think adding distance will only help Shirley, Shirley. I think having as much, and again, the name as Richard pointed on it and you did as well as elite. Uh, but yeah, I just think at 10 to 1, again, because it's Cox and Giroux, probably won't get that. I think it'll get closer to maybe 8 to 1. Uh, but certainly an underneath price that I really like. And uh, again, I mean, if you feel strongly about the 3 or 8, which are probably going to be the two horses taking the most money, I think this is a great horse to look for underneath. Absolutely. And I mean, this is the one horse that could have worked uh, her way into this spot, right? Because I mean, you see these last two works at Indiana. This horse has been in Indiana all the way through last week and she's won just bullet after bullet so maybe brad cox is getting a little bit of confidence in shirley shirley but obviously we'll see for sure no pun intended oh on God. friday i didn't even mean to say that that just came out of my mouth i'm going three two eight patrick's going three eight six charlie's going eight six three noah's going three eight four a little bit of howard teacher comedy for you I was and about to say, you sound like the boss. Up <laughs> your Wednesday. Guys, switching over, race number nine, another $130,000 allowance, N3X, going a mile on the turf. Again, guys, these turf races draws another full field of 12 with four MTOs. Um, but the morning line favorite is the number seven, Easter, for Pratt and Motion. The second choice is number eight, Strong Quality, at seven to two. And the third choice is the number four main event for Sayas and Weaver. Switching over the picks right now. And we are all – I couldn't believe this. I'm going to put this full screen. I couldn't believe this when I saw it. I thought I had some, you know, a nice what? little underneath. A nice little underneath. No which shot. Every single one of us thought that we were going to yep. have a nice no, – I'm happy we're all not on the <laughs> No, uh, dude, the Rager took all the uh, the Rager <laughs> took all the power, dude. <laughs> it just just power went out. That's awesome. Anyway, I can't believe this. I, I we all was so unique. Oh my god! Forever super at ten to one underneath. Um, and Patrick, you're gonna go first. You haven't gone first yet, so I'm gonna go to you here. Um, talking about the number seven. Easter, I just love it. Oh, you had to get up and touch the light switch. Again. Yeah, no. So this room that I'm <laughs> oh, the in is motion like, center. yeah, it's motion censored. So I'm like completely so just away start, from just the start door. waving. Just yeah, start waving every five minutes. Get up and start you know, doing jumping jacks. Yeah, so you gotta be like, you gotta be very expressive with your opinions. And then That's the right. Yeah, more, more Italian, more with the hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, Patrick Easter five to two. Grand motion. Pratt looks the best on paper. Yeah, it looks the best on paper, and it's going to get the trip. Uh, I firmly believe that um, this horse, <laughs> there's going to be a ton of pace in this race. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, if you want to be expressive, that's expressive right there. There it is. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Anyway, Patrick, go uh, ahead. Uh, um, but, yeah, like I said, uh, I think Easter's going to sit the perfect spot. Um, has faced tough competition um, before, and this is one of the softer spots. And I just think the horses that are um, – Talent wise, competitive with Easter, just I'm not a fan of like the eight. You know, 
I don't even have the horse in my top three. You guys have the horse in third. We all have the same picks, by the way. I just (laughs) noticed that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, strong quality is, you know, is just one, it's a one way, you know, road for this horse. The horse is going to go, and there's a ton of horses that want to go in this spot. So, you know, I just think Easter, you know, is. I just think, just I also the think to your point there, strong quality is going to get bad because yeah. running lines, just we talk about all the time, up to the mark, point me by, set piece, yeah. Santine, Adamo, Harlan Estate. Yes, this time, like just running lines, running lines, running lines. Strong quality will be bet. And I mean, she needs the lead or he needs the lead. Strike one on me, but he needs the lead. And if he doesn't get the lead, he's pressed at all. It seems like he just kind of he doesn't give up. Obviously, against very good horses, and this is a softer spot. But at most likely, he's going to be five to two. Strong quality could be a play against for a lot of people. But uh, no, I'll go to you, man. Apparently, like I said, we all. I thought I was going to have a nice one coming from Monmouth, Trombetta, shipping across the country, working lights out. Uh, I mean, but every single one of us has this horse in second. Yeah, just a horse, just a really nice horse that's just improving with every start. Um, you never really know how good those Monmouth fields are, um, but beating them by two and two and a half lengths, uh, definitely respectable. Um, and Trombetti, Trombetta moves the horse to Keeneland to work and then runs a really nice 47 and two buyer on October 13th. Uh, so just like you said, a horse at 10 to one, that's probably going to get bet. Um, but super live. Uh, I think he's probably going to get the first jump, maybe going to have the lead at the top of the stretch. Um, but ultimately I think Easter has got the one is the one that's got the best leg kick. Um, and just, just going to probably most likely go by in the stretch. It just, it just looks like he sits the trap. Yeah. In this type of spot, I agree with you, but since this horse has switched over to Trombetta, it's just been improvement, improvement, improvement all the way through. Allow N1X at Monmouth loses by a length, comes back another N1X half a length, wins by two and a half, optional claiming N2X at Monmouth going a little bit farther, wins by two and a half. And you could always play the, oh, it's Monmouth, who did he beat? But this horse has been improving, fits, again, the trip fits as well. I I think I really like Forever Super underneath, but apparently if we all like him, everyone else is going to like him and we're never going to get anything out of it but patrick i'll let you close out the conversation king max eight to one on the morning line you have in third for delgado and santana yeah this is an underneath play um you know this horse was like like the 11 was running at monmouth and ran very well um and then uh they ship up to woodbine uh runs on the uh you know the synthetic and you know really didn't take to that so i'll um I'll take this horse back at a price, um, you know, should, you know, going to be a little bit more forward um, than Easter and uh, I think could hit the board. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Especially if he improves off these 88 and 89 races for sure. This is one that I looked at, but I just thought strong quality being running lines and could be very close up front and maybe hold off a horse that's coming from behind like King Max while being passed by horses like Easter and maybe even the 11. But we'll see come race time of course i'm going 7 11 8 so is charlie and noah we all have the same exact picks and patrick is going 7 11 10 but uh i want to bring it up richard avalar absolutely i want to bring this up real quick because you are correct um excellent girl if you look at these sibbing pps or wait oh yeah no wait what am i oh the um the 
the sire, excuse me, is I believe is where, but we don't have it. But yes, he brings up exceed and excel on the damn side. Modern Games brother won recently as well. Only boosts Easter, and like I said, I just think he sits a really nice strip in this spot coming over from New York. But we'll switch over to the last race here, guys. Race number ten. It is a twenty thousand dollar claimer to end it. Six and a half furlongs on the dirt. Dirt and what do you know? A full field of eleven. Shocker to say the least. Um, the morning line favorite is the number four dual monarchy for Gaffleone and Joe Sharp. The number eleven captivated drama is your second choice at seven to two for Santana and Diodoro. And the number nine Mahoney Road is the four, third choice. <clears throat> I'll switch over the picks right now. Charlie, you're going first. Because two of you are going with the number nine, Mahoney Road, for Donald Habib as the trainer. <laughs> but I'm going to switch over right now, guys. What uh, what do you like most about the number nine, Mahoney Road? Yeah, so obviously being ridden by Gaffleon last time out and not staying with Gaffleon, I guess you could argue if you want to play the jockey game is concerning. Uh, but for me, I'm not too worried about that. I like the fact that Mahoney Road has shown very solid speed and being able to for the most part, still hold up and stay in there. I know the figures aren't crazy, but they are consistent. And I feel like a figure, you know, in like the low 70s is kind of what's going to be needed to win this race. And that's what you'll get. Uh, obviously, the the workout last time, 48-1 also is a nice touch. Um, and again, I just like the horse that has, has also shown some tactical ability. I mean, last time out, sat just off and then went and ended up getting caught. But you see a few back uh, with the – actually, the last victory was sitting just behind the leaders. And that's what I'm kind of hoping for for Mahoney Road is to just sit right behind the speed and then have the be the first one to get the jump and go by. And I was also just looking for a little more value. Um, for me, again, I know I've preached about how much I like Tyler Gaffleone and Joe Sharp's obviously a solid trainer in his own right, and the horse has worked well in his decent numbers. Uh, and obviously with me having the horse second, still think dual monarchy could be competitive here. But I just have no interest in five to two, and I don't think you'll get much more value than that. And again, for the performances we're seeing, I mean, last time I could second by nine legs. Um, I'm just not sold on that horse, and I'm not taking five to two odds. And I completely get it, but I'm going to bring this up, Patrick, and I'll go to you with this as well. Pa Paul is stealing my thunder in the chat because I was planning on bringing this up all along. Donald Habib, first off the claim in the last five years, two for 30 and only 30% in the money with the horses that he claims off. So that was one thing that I noticed right away. Obviously this horse fits on figures and, but hasn't worked since August was trained, was claimed off of Greg, Greg Foley and hasn't worked for Habib since, which I don't know if you guys noticed any of those stats or the workouts, but that was a concern for me. Patrick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, fair, but, I would say I, I did like this horse last race uh, at Churchill Downs. I thought didn't win, you know, but the horse fought on and was caught in a wicked pace. Um, I, I think the numbers fit in this spot, to be quite frank, and in a spot where if I was playing pick four and pick fives, I'd be spreading a ton in this spot. Um, I just, you know, I just think that this horse is going to be, you know, four to one, five to one, and should you know, be on or near the lead. And, you know, I prefer one of those because this is, I feel like one of those races where a lot of horses aren't going to be passing others. 
I mean, I completely get it. I just I couldn't trust a horse that's most likely going to be a, a low to middling price and was and is going to a trainer that most people have never even heard of that is only thirty percent with in with in the money horses in this past off the claim in this past five years. So that's for me. But captivated drama Noah is who you're going with. Seven to two morning line, second choice, the last race coming off the claim for Diodoro, who does a lot better off the claim than two for thirty. <laughs> yeah, my angle on this horse was simply what you just said. Diodoro off claim. Um, just a horse uh, that he took over um, and has trained really well um, at Keeneland, ran a bullet 47-3 October 5th. Um, I am aware that there is quite a bit of speed in this race, um, but I think the fact that he's drawn to the outside, you know, Santana can kind of look to his left and dictate things. Um and Diodorus, one, one win in the meet uh, was where he had two horses in the race, in a low-level claiming race, and they were neck and neck going to the wire. So I, that's, I, as per usual, that's kind of his forte. Yeah, I mean, look, I just showed it on the screen. 24% and 730 starts in the last five years for Diodoro off the claim. I mean, you could play the numbers game, absolutely, and this horse is working ever so forwardly. But as Matt Morler points out, Patrick nailed it. No one here feels reliable at all. I completely agree with you, Matt, as these 20,000 clamors usually tend to have that type of feel to them. I'm going with dual monarchy. I understand he's going to be the favorite most likely, but three-year-old ran a 74 last time out behind X X inexorable who um, ran a very nice race that day. I just think if you can bring over that 74 again, um, to what is basically a drop down to 20,000 um, still working very forwardly working 49 flat 48 and four since that last race, as well as a bullet at Ellis park. So I'm just thinking an easier spot coming to Keeneland um, getting a little bit less distance, I think will actually help dual monarchy. Just a lot of different things pointing to this spot, although he will be the favorite and it's very hard to trust anyone in this spot. Um, and like I said, there's so many horses. Number five, Pistol Shotgun. I have in third. Just kind of just a horse that can pick up the pieces late if there is a fast pace out there with a lot of horses that don't necessarily like to pass at all. Um, Patrick also has the five. Uh, the number seven, Libertango, who I have in second, who uh, Charlie also likes in third. and Or sorry, Patrick has in second. Excuse me. Libertango. Did I write this down wrong? Why do I have the number seven and second in this race. Oh, well, whatever. I guess I wrote it down wrong either way, but the tango has a shot as well going to the lead, but I know I have four eleven five. but you see my DRF. I have. Four, oh, seven, oh okay. I see. So oh. Maybe I just wrote them down wrong. Yeah. I have too and much I, to drink while you were doing that. I get, <laughs> I mean, where am I in this? Like here, I guess too much to drink for me, but go. either one way or another guys, um, I'm going to, I should probably switch that because I don't know what happened there. Simon O'Neill, I see you in the chat, man. What's going on? Thanks so much for joining the show. Greatly appreciate you're joining at the end of the Keeneland segment, but we are talking about Breeders' Cup, so don't you guys go anywhere. I'm going 471, I guess. Patrick's going 975. <laughs> Charlie's going 947, and Noah's going 1149. Guys, we're going to go over best bets here before Breeders' Cup time, and um, we'll go pretty quickly through them. Uh, Patrick, you'll go first since you are to my right. You are going with the number. Oh, nope. I did not. What didn't that change either? I'll get that up right now, but you have the win um, on the number three, Poblano, as your first one. Yeah, I have the win on Poblano. That's uh, that horse will face. I, uh, swear I switched this stuff. I guess I 
didn't save it? I don't know. But anyway, go ahead. Poblano is your uh, yeah. first one. Poblano to win against uh, facing Rage and C. Um, that's the eighth race. And then the ninth, uh, I'm going to play exact as um, with the seven Easter uh, along with the 11. Uh, uh, that's forever super and uh, the 10 King Max. So those will be my best bets. Yeah, that's what, which is, I, I remember putting that in too. That's the worst part. So I don't know. I guess I just didn't save it. But there it is on the screen for those of you that have it. The number three, Poblano, in race number seven. That's in race against Raging Sea, as Patrick stated, and race number nine in exacto with um, Easter on top and the two horses, the number 10 and the number 11 underneath. Patrick, good luck with your best bets. Charlie, you're going with um, actually centering around. Raging Sea, which this could this is either going to go very good for Charlie or very good for us. I feel an exact eight over six and a double uh, eight with seven with Easter. Charlie, go ahead and talk about your best bets. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't have the uh, you know the personal vendetta or agenda against the, Raging Sea. The number like vendetta. Every, Hello. That, yeah, that, that seems like everyone else has against Raging Sea. I'm trusting Chad Brown and Flavian Pratt to get the job done. Uh, and then as we kind of all touched on, we're kind of in union that Easter seems like the clear cut horse to beat. Uh, so that's why I'm just doing a stone cold uh, double there. And then as I touched on earlier, I know Patrick also liked this horse underneath. Uh, and you like the name. I think Shirley Shirley for Cox and Giroux uh, is a very interesting horse that could pick up the pieces with some very solid works. Um, so I wanted to play that. And I was actually originally going to give out a third one, but Patrick already had given out. It seemed like we all were going to be on it. Uh, but I'm happy I didn't give it out because I thought it was going to be unique. It was going to be playing Easter over Forever Supper for some value. But who knows if everybody watches our show, the 11 is not going to be that 10 to 1 long shot. Probably end up being the second choice and we'll look like chalking and weasels. I, dude, I swear. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if we like them, then obviously uh, it's going to be Simon O'Neill is here, man. Thanks so much. And Jim Pilar's, after he told us, not um he didn't want he was never going to join the show again flips on betting and booze and of course we're in a we're in a bird cage all of the same <laughs> dude that's a 10 to 1 in second i got nothing for you apparently yeah, we're all know. just geniuses or idiots pick one i don't know what you want but um jim thanks so much man for joining the show greatly appreciate it. noah going to you win a, uh race number nine number nine for dawn underneath sorry in race number seven um, that was the horse that you and Patrick both liked underneath and a race in race number nine, a win on the number seven Easter. Yeah. I've got Ford on underneath, uh, who's the Lobo horse. Who's getting back to the turf, uh, horse with a lot of speed. Um, you never know if the, if the ward, you know, checks or doesn't break, you know, you never know what could happen in these turf sprints. Uh, she might find herself on the front end and get brave, maybe hold on for second or third. Um, and then nothing creative as we've touched on. Uh, just a win bet on Easter, uh, who's probably going to sit the trip. Uh, probably not going to be a good price either, uh, but I'm in a little bit of a slump uh, <laughs> myself. So I any, just, I any just way you want to make it to yourself, man. Yeah, I just way. need a little win to kind of get right back on track. So Hey, I like it. I'll take it for you, my friend. <laughs> Race number six, I have the win on the number three, Tiger Moon. Value of five to two. I just think um, – Morning line of three to one in that starter allowance race. I just think she really or he really sits a trip in that race for 10 strike. Um, that's the very consistent horse with Lindsay Schultz as the trainer. I just think if he's able to get a clear run with Leparu aboard, hopefully he can get out of the out of the donut status for him on the meet. I think five to two is fair value. Could be bet below that, but obviously um, anything below five to two, I'm not willing to take. And race number nine, of course, went on number seven Easter. With the running lines of the number eight, strong quality, and um, 
of the horse that we all like is going to be bet down to eight to five. So hopefully I'll get five to two on Easter. And I think that's very fair value for a horse that looks to sit a very nice trip with good numbers. So um, both win bets for me, the way I've been betting, I mentioned this on the show before I set myself like three or four horses that I want to play or bets that I want to play. But if they're below what I'm willing to take, um, I think the risk will outweigh the outweigh the reward. So I don't say outweigh the reward. Um, I think the number seven Easter could met, could net very good value at five to two. But guys, we're going to switch over here, guys. We're going to go into Breeders' Cup action here. And we, and for those of you that don't know, at the beginning of the show, I'm going to go over it again here. Uh, we have Breeders' Cup power picks for sale all uh, for all weekend for both Friday and Saturday for only twenty dollars. That's full full card analysis. Spot plays, price plays, anything you need to be successful during Breeders' Cup for only $20 when most outfits are charging $50 to $100. HHHRacingPodcast.com. If you go to the top, I'm going to bring it up one more time for those of you that weren't here at the beginning of the show. And for those of you that are just joining, thanks so much for doing so. Breeders' Cup Power Picks Tip Sheet, HHHRacingPodcast.com. At the top, there's a tab, Power Picks Tip Sheet. Click on it. It's the first thing on top. It is through PayPal. You can pay any way you want through PayPal. $20 for both Friday and Saturday. Complete card um, analysis for you guys. Again, very cheap, very affordable, and ve- and all the information that you need. Not to mention for the power picks that we've been doing for two and a half years already, uh, the boys are still much over the even mark. So um, with an ROI, I believe, of 2.4. So... Please get in on this again, hhhracingpodcast.com uh, forward slash power picks tip sheet. And again, at the top here, there's a tab that will take you right to it. So, and for those of you that don't know, we are, of course, part of, will be a part of the power picks tip sheet. We are ball covering one race in entirety. So, not only will there be full card analysis, there will also be full, like heavy analysis for every single Breeders' Cup race on the card. And we, three of us have the sprints and Charlie, my friend is actually covering the juvenile. So all the weight is on his shoulders. So I'm covering the turf sprint because I'm, I'm apparently the turf sprint guru now that I've had basically four horses in the turf sprint category in the stake turf sprint category. Patrick is covering the Philly and mare sprint and Noah, I believe is, no, Noah's covering the Philly mare sprint. Patrick is covering the breeders cup sprint which obviously got a lot more spicy with echo zulu of course having uh sesamoid fractures which noah's i patrick's already shaking oh, his head when out. i i'm not gonna lie when i saw that i had the sprint i was you know ecstatic at first and then i realized i'm like oh my lord i mean echo zulu was gonna be my single on everything but it is what it is you know thank god the, you know thank god the horse is okay and is yes, going to be able she to. She is, and she, there's been a few updates. She's doing very, she's doing very well after her surgery. So, hey, and Richard, I can't, I can't give out too much early. We're going to be doing so many Breeders' Cup shows. I can't be giving it out too early, uh, so you don't watch those, which I know you will. But of course, but um, we, Ben and Boozen, I believe we have four shows that that week. Um, we've mentioned it before. We are, we are doing early pick five shows and we are doing two day pick six and we're doing a show early as well. I believe for the uh, pre entries, I believe that is a betting and booze and show. So be on the lookout for those and those, all those dates will come out 
soon as obviously we're getting those set up. But no, uh, Patrick, I'm going to let you go first here. You have the Breeders' Cup Sprint, um, which obviously, as I just said, suffered that loss. But um, still a lot of interesting horses, realistically, in this race. You have a lot of West Coast talent that is on here. You have Elite Power. You have Gunnite, um, who's actually yeah, Gunnite's right here. I was like, I'm yep. just blind. Um, so you have a field of 11 contenders right now. Um, 10 of them are USA, and you have the one Japan horse, Jasper Crone, who's a wild card, who's actually a turf runner, yeah. but is being considered for the Breeders' Cup sprint as well. But Anarchist, um, as as I'll actually, I'll let you talk about it, but obviously you'll see, um, you'll talk about the Hort contenders as we go through. Yeah, so, you know, looking through the field so far, um, you know, you got your standouts, Elite Power, Gnite, those two have battled it, uh, battled it out um, this past summer at Saratoga in the uh, Vanderbilt and then in the Forgo, and they both traded, um, you know, punches. Elite Power won the Vanderbilt, and Gnite won the uh, uh, Forgo. So the, you have those two. Um, and then you got uh, Speedboat Beach for uh, Bob Baffert, who has only raced once this year, which is bizarre. Um, and you know, this horse is the speed of the speed, um, ran well in that Santa Anita sprint. And then, you know, you had, like you brought up, you have the Japan horse, uh, Jasper Crone, who, um, has won four of seven starts this year, um, has not won a grade one. I do think this is a step up, uh, for this horse. Um, and then you have the, um, you know, the local contingent of, you know, American theorem, um, Dr. Shivel. Yep. And then uh, Anarchist hoist the gold, um, and uh, the tr- the uh, the chosen I don't I, chosen Vron chosen Vron. Um, so you know this this is a fun race now because you know you can just kind of pair up Elite Power and Goodnight and say these are the two, but you know you have to be careful with the local you know the local horses. These Doctor Shivel's a good one. Um, I wouldn't count out Speedboat Beach. That horse is the speed of the speed, and you know Baffert. I, this horse is gearing this. This guy's gearing this horse up. I was reading something today. Um, you know, we could say this horse has only run once, but I think this horse is going to be ready to go. So uh, this is a fun race. Um, I'm excited to cover it. Um, and you know, I ha- to be quite honest, I have not sided with anybody yet. Well, and I mean, obviously, we'll see. You know. In these types of races, post positions, I mean, the sprints, there's a big difference when you, so it's very hard to formulate opinions early. Anarchist obviously won the Pat O'Brien this past, um, these past few weeks at Del Mar. Hoist the Gold, who just won it, who won, who won a Keeneland at a decent price, I believe. If I go to his results, um, it's as the British Cup site continues to load. But either way, won at Keeneland last time out, the chosen Vron had that very close finish. Um, in a stakes at Del Mar as well. Elite Power, nothing to say about him. Gunite, nothing to say about him. Uh, Jason Cook running a three technique, who was very good uh, in races earlier in the year and necess- hasn't necessarily continued, if I remember correctly, considering this is just taking forever to load. Um, I don't know why it's not loading. Dr. Shivel, who's a very nice horse out on the West Coast. Speedboat Beach, who we talked about for Baffert. Um, Jasper Crohn's obviously the wild card and Nakatomi for Ward, who just ran a good second at Keeneland Speedboat Beach guys. Um, you know, people are going to say Baffert, but that horse is an absolute speedball. And if he gets anywhere near the lead in a, you know, a, I believe it's, is it five and a half or six? 
at six Santa Anita. Is it six? Okay. Um, I mean, at six furlongs, obviously Baffert tried him long early in his career, but if he comes back, I mean, he's, he's super fast. And on the West coast, speedball beach is definitely not to be taken lightly in this race who uh, Richard Avalar actually posted in the chat. What I was going to say next, just looked like an absolute prep in that last race for this. Obviously two starts in the year. People always question it, but for me, if I like him that day, hopefully it just gives me a better price. And that's the way it rolls. Obviously with elite power and gunite in that field, you should get a price on speedboat beach, but it's going to be, this is going to absolutely be a fun race come the day. So Patrick, good luck and look out for his, analysis on the breeders cup power picks this november charlie gonna go to or no not i'm gonna let you go last charlie because you technically have the you i would argue the biggest race of us all so noah i'm gonna go to you next you have the philly and mare sprint um as i pass it up so there's a bunch of horses in this field that are actually very interesting but i'll let you talk about as i scroll through the field yeah, so on my screen, I've got the contenders and the odds right now, currently. Uh, Which, you know, actually, thank odds. you. That's what I need to bring up, too. Yeah. So, um, so at the top of the list is Goodnight Olive, who uh, there's really not much to be said. I mean, she won She won this race last year. Uh, she ran a really game second uh, to Echo Zulu, who we talked about earlier, which is super unfortunate. Um, but just to be even close to Echo Zulu, I think, she's really going to have a live shot. And in these, you know, Breeders' Cup races, you've got, you know, big, uh, talented favorites like Tamara, Cody's Wish, um, and another one in Goodnight Olive. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, when everybody kind of looks at the car as a whole um, and making decisions, you know, where to single, where to spread, where to try to beat a big favorite, you know, stuff like that. Um, second choice right now is Society for Asmussen. Um, society is wow, actually, really? a, yeah, four to one, uh, actually a grade one winner around two were two turns, excuse me. Um, ran a one Oh seven in the pink ribbon at Charlestown, uh, in her yep, last race. Correct. Um, a horse with a lot of speed. Um, like Kyle said, it'll be interesting to see, uh, where she draws, uh, depending on, it seems like there's probably a decent amount of speed in this race. Uh, so she'll have to work out a trip somehow. Third choice is Carmel Swirl for Bill Mott, who mm-hmm. we actually covered uh, the Gallant Bloom, which she won last race. But uh, from recollection, I don't remember that that was really a great race. Um, the buyer only came back 88. Um, yep. So maybe not in tip-top form, but, you know, Bill Mott is... Which, uh, she didn't win the Gallant Bloom, by the way. She got, oh. she got third. In the gallon bloom, oh, I, I thought I wanted to make sure I looked at that right, but it was kind of actually, um, wasn't the best third either. She's the one, I believe, right on the inside here. I think, she, yeah, I think she's the one, yeah. And she, I mean, you could, I mean, she's just kind of she's trying her hardest for sure, yeah. She's coming up, but um, does get pincered oh. though, there, and that's obviously what people are going to look at, but. So disappointing third, I was wrong, but she did end up running third and could have easily won that race. But yeah, you are right, Noah. We did cover that race. Yeah, well, yeah. Last thing I was gonna say was Bill Mont. You know, he's you know plenty capable of winning a race like this. Um, and then the next two uh, actually faced each other in the TCA at Keeneland uh, on opening weekend. Uh, 
those are Wicked Halo also for Asmussen at eight to one, uh, and Yugiri for Brissett and Pratt also at eight to one. Um, I, I, <laughs> it's funny. I had a lot of money on Wicked Halo that day, and I was really disappointed in her effort. Um, but she could just kind of be going in the wrong direction. Um, and the fact that Yuguri, you know, she was down on the inside and she was able to, you know, be game and fight, um, maybe a horse to look at at a price, um, in terms of horses that are in this race or available for this race in California, uh, really nothing special. Um, the highest one on this list is Kersenbosch for Sadler at 15 to one. Um, but she got an ultimate setup in the chilling world yep. last time. Correct. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, where the California love goes, where that money goes. Um, and it'll interesting, be interesting to see what kind of price we get on Goodnight Olive. Yeah. And obviously with, uh, we didn't even know if Echo Zulu was going to go the Philly mare sprint or the sprint. Um, my guess would have probably been the Philly mare sprint being like Goodnight is obviously a major contender. Um, but now that she's out, Goodnight Olive is going to be, a, I would assume, a pretty low price. Um, anywhere in that to five area. I don't know if she'll go below even money because Yuguri did have a very nice win last time at Keeneland. But you expect Goodnight Olive to be a very big favorite. And I'm, Matt Araya is in there who's going to take Carmel Swirl with the trouble is going to take some money, I would assume. And you said Society's second choice, which I thought was actually really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, although very impressive last time out, but... I mean, it's Charlestown going around where she had the lead by herself. I mean, you can always we can argue this as much and we are going to because we're going to cover it like a glove up top to bottom. But um, Philly Marisprint's another one where you can go if you don't go Goodnight Olive. There's many different ways that you can end up going. But um, Richard Avalar, um, she is OK. Um, she had surgery and I believe I've had seen three updates on Twitter or X, excuse me, on the past few days, and she is doing good, nothing bad to report. So um, absolutely, I mean, she's the champion, right? And she would have probably been favored in this year's race again, but sadly, um, that has taken her out of the running. But um, Simon O'Neill says, wouldn't want an inside post for Goodnight Olive. No, I'll end, I'll end with you on that question, or that kind of statement is, I would agree with him. I mean, Goodnight Olive usually runs her better races on the outside, but not to with her style, you just really don't want her getting caught up in the mix. Yeah, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, just because in the in this race last year, she was able to sit off, but she was kind of placed outside. I think she was either in the seven or eight hole. Yep. Um, so she gets kind of stuck down on that rail uh, at Santa Anita, which they actually are going seven. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how how an inside horse kind of takes to that rail. Um, you know, as they have to, as they cross the, uh, that first turn, that little portion there. Um, but yeah, if she's inside, uh, definitely could be a play against, um, in terms of, you know, structuring tickets and stuff like that, just because there are going to be some more notably favorites. Um, uh, but yeah, always, always never going to talk anybody off trying to beat a favorite in a spot like this. Yeah, and I actually I found something. So for the Breeders' Cup Sprint, Elite Power right now. This is per Odds Checker. This is a um, an anti-post betting site. So Breeders' Cup Sprint, Elite Power is favorite at nine to four right now. So around that two to one 
area. Gunite is actually set. Uh, all right. Echo Zulu is obviously not in the race anymore. Uh, Dr. Shivel is second choice at five to one. The Gunite behind at seven. And actually, Bango is in there as well. So there's a bunch of different horses in here, but uh, Elite Power is the favorite. And for the, for the, um, where is the Fillion Mare Sprint? I'm looking for it right now. Sorry, guys. We're doing this on the fly here. Um, Fillion Mare Sprint right now. Goodnight Olive is seven to four. So she's actually under two to one right now. Society is second choice, which I see. And Pretty Mischievous is actually also in here, but I don't think she's going to the sprint. She's definitely going the the um, the Fillion Mare. But And then Uguri is third choice from this list at 10 to one. But guys, Charlie, I'm going to let you go next here. I'll go last as usual. But the Breeders' Cup Juvenile is a race that you can go – many different ways at least in my opinion there's also some um there's a few there's a japanese and an irish horse i don't think the irish horse is going to point here and the japan horse is the wild card but um horses that we've seen race in the last few weeks actually are going to be the main contenders timberlake who just won um in new york locked who had that extremely good performance at keeneland general partner who just ran a decent second in that race that uh, two of us really liked. And then, of course, you have what, m- my opinion, would be most likely the favorite would be Prince of Monaco for Baffert. But, Charlie, <laughs> Bro. but Charlie, go ahead. Talk about uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if, I should, if I'm supposed to say anything about who my actual, like, pick would be because I don't want to spoil just it for the a, picks, Just a I'll brief just, overview. Brief overview. Yeah, I'll just say, like, for my brief overview, uh, overview I'd say the main contenders in this field, as you kind of started to touch on, uh, for me, we're obviously Timberlake, Muth, Locked, Prince of Monaco, and the Wine Steward. For me, those were the five that really stood out. Now, I know we have a few horses we're waiting on, uh, you know, to see who actually ends up being in for the finalized field. Uh, and then, yeah, as you kind of touched on, I mean, realistically, I think because the Baffert horses and how well they've run, Prince of Monaco certainly will be bet down because Prince of Monaco had that dominant win over Muth, who was heavily favored. I don't know quite also because Juan Hernandez is riding what the odds will be on Muth. I assume Timberlake for Cox off that impressive effort against Fierceness, who may may or may not end up in this field, uh, will certainly be bet down because of that impressive performance. And then as you touched on Locked for Todd Fletcher, has been very well lately, had a very impressive trip after having to go very wide as the favorite to work around the whole field and still showed up plenty in the tank. So I think those will be the lower prices. And then for me, the one horse I would look towards where you're probably not going to have to worry about, you know, betting under five to one if you're looking for a value pick for me is the wine steward. Ran a very game effort against Locke, who I think is very, very game in this spot and very da- a very dangerous horse in this spot. Uh, but yeah, the wine steward ran a very nice effort. Gets Luis Saez, who I think is probably the perfect jockey for this horse. Uh, trained by Michael Maker, who's one of the best in the business. Uh, but yeah, for me, those are the main contenders. Obviously, you also have General Partner, who ran a very nice effort in the Champagne. Uh, you have Fierceness, who did not run well at all, but was obviously bet heavily and you know, was a horse we had all kind of touched on as one that was expected to run well and just did not fire. Uh, for me, I don't really know what to make of the Champagne race. Uh, obviously, the weather was a factor. Uh, the fact that the main some of the main contenders didn't really run at all was a factor. And the I don't know. For me, the race wasn't super impressive. So, uh, again, obviously, when we get to actual picks, I'll touch on that. Uh, but nonetheless, still have to respect the horses that ran in that field. And, again, that's why I did touch on 
Timberlake still being one of the main contenders in the spot, absolutely. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting because I think a lot of these contenders are very tactical horses where you could argue they could, you know, press the early speed. They could sit a nice stalking trip and some of them might want to sit farther back and try to pick up all the pieces. So I think this is a race that certainly going to have to do a lot of analysis uh, later on to kind of figure out who uh, the top choice ends up being. No, I mean, look, the, the British Cup Juvenile is always a fun race, obviously won by Forte last year over the heavily favored Cave Rock which I know that rubs a little bit of salt in the wound for a lot of people uh, in the chat, i.e. Howard and Matt Miller. But this juvenile um, on odds checker is very wide open. Um, odds checker has both locked and Timberlake at five to one tied for co-favoritism and then city of Troy, Muth and Prince of Monaco to bring up uh, the next three spots at all of six to one. So there's, <laughs> I hate Jim Pilar sometimes I swear. Um, no, I'm just kidding, Jim. I'm just giving you crap, but there's this race just looks to be wide open, but it does. I'm assuming what it's going to be is a matchup between locked and Prince of Monaco for, for the via favoritism. And I ultimately think it will be won by Prince of Monaco, but there's still just some very, a lot of other game efforts and some game horses that are in here that could have a say when it comes post time, but the juvenile always a fun race. And guys, the last horse we're going to talk about here is the turf sprint. And this is a horse, this is a race that I'm going to have some real thinking to do because not only uh, um, do we have some very good U.S. horses, i.e. Caravel, the winner of last year at 40 at the highest price of the entire Breeders' Cup at 48 to one coming back, although she did just lose this past weekend at Keeneland. So that I've granted by a nose, but still she did lose the past this past weekend. Um, just going to go through it. Motorious who Simon O'Neill asked me about in the chat. Um, I will um, I will bring that up. Motorious, Gear Jockey, who won the that bit that monster cluster race at Kentucky Downs. Live in the Dream, who we just saw at Keeneland opening weekend, who ran a sub-20 to the quarter mile in that race. Brad Sell, who won um, that uh, the race at Royal Ascot. I'm, it's slipping my mind right now, but I'm going to bring it up. The King Stand Stakes which is the turf sprint at Royal Ascot. Tony Ann, who just beat Caravel this past weekend. Uh, no balls, bad beat Brian, private creed, big invasion, roses for Deborah, who we haven't forgot about. Cogburn, one-timer, and uh, Aesop's Fable, who I, Fables, who I don't know if he's going to come over here for this race. Beer Can Man, Jasper Crone, who we talked about before. Mikhail Yell for, or Mikhail Yell for, uh, the Japanese Connections, who is very good in his own right. Hamwood Flyer. There's just many different horses that could get in, and there's a lot of different ways that you can go. Living the dream, I said it while we were at Santa Anita. This race is going to be a fast pace, but living the dream, they always say, yo, UK horses don't break as well as the American runners. That was obviously proved wrong by living the dream. If he can, If she can get out far, and I just I don't think she will, but she has the opportunity. Motorious, who Simon O'Neill asked what I um what my thoughts were on Motorious. I have chased this horse these last two times. And last time I was finally able to um get him home, I believe, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, in the green flash handicap at Del Mar, I was finally able to cash in on him, but the, he came over for the Twin Spires turf sprint, just got second, 
I mean, I really like Motorious. It's just a matter of is he going to be good enough to like if Brad Sell is going to be in the middle, if he's going to come closing, although he hasn't won necessarily since then, but coming over from Newmarket and Karah, I mean, it's going always a big ask. I mean, Arzak just won at Keeneland. Roses for Deborah, who's won back-to-back 100 buyers, winning very easily in the races that um, that Roses for Deborah has run. It's just There's just so many different ways that we can go. Favoritism, I think, will not be below 3-1 to one in this race. And I think it'll... I don't like Caravel. She just lost this week. Like it's, it's almost like I would have said Caravel would have most likely been the favorite in this race just by name recognition alone here in the States. But now I'm not too sure. I really think it'll be very lukewarm in the favoritism department. I could like Motorious. Brad Sell is another horse I'm leaning towards right now. Um, just going to have to see who gets in the race and who ultimately um, draws good posts. Because as we all know, turf sprints, if you're caught out in the 12th hole, especially going five at Santa Anita, it's not going to be very easy from out there. So the post draw is going to mean a lot in this race. And judging by who gets into the race, the amount of speed is going to also mean a lot in a race like this. So we'll have to see, but obviously that'll come all the way up until Breeders' Cup time, which is almost two weeks away, which is unbelievable, um, might I add. My flight leaves uh, tomorrow morning or, you know, tomorrow morning in two weeks. So um, two weeks and one day is when our flight leaves, Patrick, which is just yeah. absolutely ridiculous. But the turf sprint's always a great race. It's always a chaotic race and should produce value anywhere you look. As like I said, I don't think the favoritism is going to go heavy one way or another. But guys, that's going to conclude our Breeders' Cup conversation here. I'm going to let Charlie had some best bets that he wants to talk about for sports real quick. And then we'll end the show. He couldn't let me do it without, you know, he's healthy. He only at gunpoint. I couldn't have not have that's, that's sports. Not true. It, I couldn't have not have sports in here, but Patrick, what, I, what I just want to say one thing before Charlie goes on a, you know, talks about his games, the amount of pressure Charlie has on this, on his juvenile race is the same amount that Ryan day has on Saturday. I'll leave, I'll give you the floor. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I decided to uh, not really go, I guess, the best bets. I just wanted to highlight the key games. I mean, this week in college football, I know there's multiple uh, ranked teams matchups, but I think a lot of them are kind of like not that exciting. The main game of the week, obviously, being Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, Ohio State is minus four and a half is what I'm seeing right now. I would be grabbing that number as soon as you possibly can. Look, Penn State is the best defense in the country. I want to set the I want to set the stage. Their defense this year is better than Georgia's defense was last year, but it's not the Georgia defense of two years ago where you literally couldn't score. Their running back, Singleton or Singleton, whatever his name is, he's very solid, and their defense again is very elite. They have a very good offensive tackle. I want the Bears to draft him with Marvin Harrison and build it on fields. Their team is great. Now, why do I not like Penn State in this game? Number one, their receivers don't do anything for me. I've watched them in Big Ten play. They drop easy passes. They're not great. Number two, Drew Aller, their quarterback, he's not very good at throwing the football, and I'm not a complete expert at football, but I do know enough to know if your quarterback cannot throw the football, you tend to not win football games. If Ohio State sells out on the run, which I think they will, they will struggle. Now, Ohio State's their defense is improved. It's not perfect. It's not as good as Penn State's, but it's very solid, and their offense can beat you everywhere. They showed against Notre Dame that their run game can do something against a very strong physical football team. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the most unguardable player in college football. There is no way to stop him. 
They have the best receiving core in the country between them and Washington. There's just too much talent on this team. They've gone up against better Penn State teams before and covered bigger spreads. I think the Buckeyes might mess around this game by 14 to 17. And I don't think Penn State's bad. I just don't know if they're going to score much. Their quarterback can't throw. He might throw three interceptions. Now, that was really it for college football. They can't defend, so. Wait, cool. Well, their defense uh, has been solid. They shut down Notre Dame. Penn, Penn State it has a better offensive line and a better defensive line than you guys. And that's a fact. Oh, no, I, I, no, I completely – I think they have the best defense in the country, and I think they have the best tackle. But your quarterback – if the quarterback cannot throw the football, it's a problem. I mean, look but, at the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame is a better defensive line, right, a better defense than Ohio State, and a better quarterback, and Ohio State still won. Penn State has a significantly worse quarterback, and I'm not a Kyle McCord fan, but I think he's like an okay quarterback, but – the Penn State quarter, he's terrible. Drew Eller is not a good quarterback. This Penn State team I, I, is I way better than Notre Dame. I'll tell you that right now. It's I don't a fact. know about that. Notre Dame looked very good against a very overrated USC team. I thought I think Notre Dame might be back. I think Notre Dame might be back. back. Um, well, let's not bring then, Notre Dame into this. Let's just talk about. Okay. I think Penn State. If Penn State wants to beat this team, this is the week, and I think they they're better on both. They're not. James Franklin can't beat big. He can't beat ranked teams. No, I love James. Not, not don't make fun of a coach. Your coach he's talks playing. about Lou Holtz. Come on. Oh, I'm not a Ryan Day fan. I'm not yeah. a Ryan Day. All I'm saying is he <laughs> against Ohio State. He couldn't get the job done with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley multiple years. They've had big leads at OSU and have blown them. I just don't see this game being very. I think they'll hang in early, but once their defense gets tired, the game is over because their quarterback. Yeah, you could be right. Football. Yeah. Uh, moving on to NFL, because that was all I really saw. Uh, big NFL matchups. I think this week is very exciting. You have Chargers-Chiefs in Kansas City, which is always an exciting game. I like the Chargers to cover. That game is always very, very close. Um, you have the Ravens versus the Lions, which is always a dramatic game because of Justin Tucker making a 66-yarder to beat them. I think that game will be very exciting. I think Detroit could pull off the upset on the road. And then, obviously, you have the Eagles versus the Dolphins, the two five and one teams. That'll be a very good showdown to see which team is for real and which team is a fraud. And to address you, Richard, the Saints, <laughs> there defense, it is. To address you, Richard, the Saints defense is still as solid as I've said they've been. They shut down yeah, the touchdowns after yeah, they yeah, scored yeah. early. And their offense is not bad, but look, they have the worst play caller, which is actually proven from an analytics perspective in Pete Carmichael. It's actually statistically significant and shocking. How awful he is at play calling. They have all the talent in the world at receiver and running back. Matt look, Canada Derek still Carr, exists as well. Yeah, exactly no, but he right. somehow works at Canada. Look, Derek Carr is a very mid at best quarterback. He's not very good. And the Saints' offensive line is horrendous. Watching this game on tomorrow night against the Jaguars is going to make me want to gouge my eyeballs out. It's going to be the worst experience ever. The Saints' offensive line, which has been abysmal, just ruled out their starting two offensive tackles. And I briefly celebrated because I thought, wow, these guys have been terrible anyway. And then I realized somehow the guys behind them are not, are even worse than them. So I am terrified. The only hope I'm hanging on to is the fact that Trevor Lawrence is going to be banged up and might not even play. And if he doesn't play, the Saints will blow out Jacksonville because their defense will just have to do what they did against the Patriots. Shout out Patrick for picking the Patriots. And they're just going to get a few pick sixes against C.J. Beathard or whoever it is to win that game. And, yes, I know they're bad. It's a terrible time to be a, a, a Trevor Lawrence with over 350. He's, he's, he's hurt. He can't even move. His knee's messed up. I don't can't know move. Play. He's a game-time decision. His knee's banged up. He's in a brace. It, look, it's a bad it's a bad time to be a pro football fan for me because Justin Fields has hurt. The Bears season's over, and I'm scared they might give up on a top five quarterback in the league. And the Saints are a dumpster fire. It's 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 a rough season right now. How Ohio State's going to crush this week, Jim? Yes, I'll address that question because they have an offense and a defense, not a defense and no quarterback. <laughs> that's how to address it. There you go, dude. I still stand. Ohio State doesn't have a quarterback either, but that's just my opinion. He's, he's uh, better than Drew Aller. Come on. Let's be real. I know he's not as good as J.J. McCarthy. I'm humble enough to admit it, but he's better than the biggest bum quarterback in the Big Ten besides whoever Iowa's quarterback is. 
Oh, and I have one upset pick of the week. Northwestern's going to beat Nebraska outright. That's my upset pick of the week. They're plus 11. They're going to beat Nebraska outright on the road. I can't hear Kyle. Is he muted or am I just lagging? I didn't even I didn't even touch my mic, so I don't know what the hell is going on. I didn't even – did I touch my oh, – whatever. Fuck it. Um, I, I said I can't believe that's an upset. Like, I get, I get Northwestern's bad, but – the hey, they're coming off of a shit. dominant three-point win against Howard. I don't want to hear it at home. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why they're. Yeah, that's probably why they're um, underdogs. But one way or another, Charlie's rant is over, so that gives the green light to end the show. But I can't wait to see Penn State win by ten this week, and I can't wait for Michigan to not give up another team in the red zone. But one way or another, playing cake cakewalk teams. I'm yeah, yeah cakewalk teams. It's so of you, bitch. Uh, Either we played Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Schmoder Dame, Sleep Fest. Who cares? Um, <laughs> anyway, that is going to be it for episode number forty-four of Betting and Boozin, covering Friday at Keeneland Late Pick Five, Breeders' Cup action, and of course Charlie's rant at the end of every single show. But for my co-hosts Patrick Kunsel, Charlie Freeman, and Noah Maher, this has been your host Kyle Roscoe, and of course, crush your bets this weekend at Keeneland. This weekend in sports, and of course, coming up at the Breeders' Cup. Stay safe, everyone. Have a good night.